Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today is a special edition of our podcast because we have the Director of Design and Technology from Kickstarter, Julio Terra, uh, joining us on the podcast. Julio, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. It's my pleasure to be here, Roy. Thanks for, for the invitation. Oh, it's, it's always going to be extended to you guys. So <laughs> what I would love to know for our audience is straight from your mouth, give our audience a brief description of Kickstarter and what it's all about. Great. Uh, well, you know, Kickstarter is a platform to help uh, bring creative projects to life. And we talk about this in a broad sense because, you know, we embrace everything, of course, from startups who are, you know, bringing to life technology products, design products, all the way to, you know, um, writers who are uh, bringing to life a new book or a filmmaker that wants to, to make a new documentary, a game designer. So all the things, all of the things that, have in, that these different types of products have in common is that they are creative projects. It's somebody bringing something new to life to share with the world. The other thing that's really important to us, you know, is you know, we are focused on providing a platform where people can, can run campaigns where, where the incentive for a backer to support a creator is because they want that thing that the creator is making to come to life. You know, we, we, we're, we're trying to, to build a platform here, or, or we've built a platform here, where it's not, we don't want people to be backing products because of a charitable desire or because they're hoping to profit from uh, what's being created. We really wanted the primary motivation that, that uh, backers will pledge money to projects is because they want that thing to come to life. And, um, and that's, you know, um, those two things really keep us focused in terms of like this desire to support people bringing things to life and the desire to create a platform where people are supporting other people because they are, just want to help that, uh, that project come to life. Uh, that being the main motivation for that, for that bringing together of those two groups of people. So you've been at Kickstarter for almost four years now. What, what types of products typically raise the most money on Kickstarter? Are there certain categories that people usually focus in on on raising significant amounts of six and seven figure capital raises? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the categories that where we see that is, you know, design and tech are, of course, two of the biggest uh, categories where we see a lot of uh, blockbuster campaigns. Uh, beyond that, uh, you also have games which is a category where the, the other category where we really see huge blockbusters. We've, of course, had blockbusters beyond that. We've had blockbusters in film, you know, publishing, but, but 
design tech and games are the ones where we see the most. I mean, I know in design and tech specifically, just in those categories, there's been close to $140 million plus campaigns. I think the exact count is 138 right now, at least as of a, a week or two ago. And I know we're always having million dollar campaigns, so that might already be up to uh, 138 or 139. Uh, if, you, if you consider also some design and tech projects, because we sometimes have somebody making, for example, a, a food, uh, like a, a, a sous vide, they might put it in food. If you count all of those design and tech products beyond the design and tech categories, I think we're, we're close to 150, 145, $150 million plus campaigns in these categories. Uh, the games category, I don't know the exact number. I would suspect it's somewhere around, somewhere between 60 to 80. Uh, and then you have a handful of other you know, million dollar products from other categories. So in keeping on the million dollar campaign storyline, what are some of the top, let's say, three things that you've seen all of these campaigns do well, whether that be part of the pre-campaign work that they do or once their campaign is active? Absolutely. I think pre-campaign work is, is the ultimate, you know, I think, requirement. Of course, you have some campaigns that are just lucky and go viral, but those are few and far between. And it's definitely not a strategy that you can use if you're aspiring to, to enter that level of success or to achieve that level of success. So, you know, pre-campaign preparation is really, really crucial. And by breaking that down a little bit, you know, because of course, there's a lot of things that, that go into pre-campaign preparation. Uh, one of the things that we see, you know, is, is really important is, of course, dialing in, you know, your, your narrative and really creating a compelling project page where you bring to life whatever it is that you're creating in a really clear and compelling way. And, and that sounds easy, but that is really difficult. And we see many creators struggle with that. And, and uh, if you're not able to have a really clear and compelling project page, it doesn't matter how many people you're able to get to your project page, they're just not going to convert. So, you know, in order to be able to do that, you know, that includes everything from, you know, creating that narrative, understanding what that narrative is, creating really high quality, you know, image assets, video assets to bring to life what it is you're, you're, you're making. And, and so that in and of itself, you know, takes many months uh, to put together usually. The other part of preparation that's really important is building a community before you come to Kickstarter. You know, Kickstarter does have a really amazing community of backers uh, and of people who are early adopters and who love to be like on the cusp of like what's new. But the fact is, you know, as much as, as you know, I'm, I can be very confident in saying that Kickstarter is the platform where you'll get the most contribution from our existing community, we still see that most projects make most of that, their money over 50%, you know, from their own efforts. And so, Kickstarter is a great place to take your community to the next level and to, you know, engage your community in getting the word out about what you're doing in an actionable way where people can come and support what you're doing by pledging money to your, to your vision. But it's not a, a great place for you to build a community from scratch. And so, you know, building a community is, is not something that is easy and is not something that, that you know, uh, can be done in a really short amount of time. And so one of the things that we often tell creators is you know, as you're preparing months, months and months in advance about your narrative, you should also be at that point building you know, a community. And, and that involves doing that through 
being out in the world, sharing your product and your prototypes in events, uh, you know, doing, you know, building uh, community and social networks. Also, you know, possibly using even digital marketing to build community and test your messaging that can help across both of those different areas. So, so I think, again, the, the before you launch those two things, building community and really, you know, distilling your, your core product message and narrative and, and, and bringing that to life in a really compelling way are two really, really important, crucial things uh, that you need to do. The other thing that we see that, you know, campaigns that, that uh, tend to, to hit that level of success do really well is also when the campaign is live is really doing an amazing job at pulling on all, all these different levers that they have. Like when your campaign is live, you know, there's a bunch of different levers that you have. I mean, there is the community engagement lever, you know, which is all the more powerful if you've done that pre-work of building some community before you, you got to Kickstarter. There's this lever of like media and, 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 and press, you know, and then there's this lever also of, you know, digital advertising. And, you know, creators that, 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 Raise million dollars campaign tend to have tend to be creators that are pulling on all these levers in really effective ways. So from a building community perspective, they're doing a great great job of getting the word out there about what they're doing to their community. They're doing you know often really good updates to their Kickstarter backers to get keep them excited about their project and keep them sharing about their project. From a, a media perspective, you know they're continuously like reaching out to press, pitching press, uh, you know, and doing all they can to get coverage because, you know, coverage, you know, can come at various different points in your campaign and you never know what coverage can actually be meaningful. Like we see sometimes getting a creator getting covered by TechCrunch and having very little traction. And then they get covered by a small niche photo blog. And because it's a project focused around, you know, a tool for photographers, and then that has a huge impact on their, on their project. So, you know, Doing that, that press outreach in an ongoing sense uh, and doing it really smartly and in a way that, that's you know, respectful of media can be really impactful. And then you know, the last thing is you know, using digital ads in a way that, that's smart. And, and, you know, that can, you know, and this is something we've seen, especially over the last two years, it's become a much more powerful and important tool for creators with that level of ambition. Absolutely. Solid advice right there. So you and I have both backed hundreds, if not thousands of projects over the last five, six years, who knows how long. What, uh, what do you look for specifically when you back a project on Kickstarter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the issues of, of, of uh, working at Kickstarter is being too aware of amazing projects that are going live. And so I, it's definitely, you know, a good problem to have. I mean, I, I you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I like... A, there's a wide different types of products that I, I've backed about 17, almost close to 1800 projects now. And, um, you know, I back products for very different reasons. You know, there are projects that I, I that I back, uh, in the, in the, you know, design and tech community, the products that I back to get the product itself, you know, I, I love things that are beautifully designed, you know, and, uh, and beautifully designed, or, or I'll say, that things that are very well and thoughtfully designed. One aspect of that is aesthetically, you know, things that are beautiful, whether it's a connected device or a bowl, you know, those are things that I really, really appreciate. Uh, but on the thoughtful design as well, you have things that are just designed 
you know, in a very conscious way, you know, where, where, you know, the creator's given a lot of thought to the environmental impact of the production and even the disposal of that product. And that's something that, that I find really compelling as well. And then I also like projects where I feel like, especially in the connected device area, where there's been a really, really, you know, strong amount of thought and consideration given to the full user experience of that product. So from product world, those are some of the things that I really like. I also love projects that are like pushing boundaries. So we have a lot of products on Kickstarter. I mean, even right now we have a project um, to, for like, I think it's called Mission Control, which is to, to you know, bring back to life this, uh, you know, actual NASA mission control in Texas. And like, so these projects that celebrate the pushing of boundaries, exploration, and these projects like, you know, Open ROV, which is like this underwater drone project, which is all about providing you know, uh, makers, scientists with tools to explore new things. So that's kind of another area of, um, of projects that I tend to, t- tend to back a lot. And then the final one uh, that, I, that I really love is, you know, this broad area of, of tools for creativity, because, you know, everything from 3D printers to music instruments to physical computing, physical computing platforms or, 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 or chipsets or, or shields, that's another area that like, I think those are, you know, and, and funnily enough, these, these are three areas that, that we, our team here at Kickstarter focuses on, but those are three areas where, where like, you know, on a personal level, I think me and my team all have a lot of passion for. And then really just going beyond that, you know, the other element that the other area that I really love is food. I'm just really big into cooking and I just love, you know, food projects, whether they're a restaurant or they are, you know, a new uh, device. I mean, I have uh, several Kickstarter-funded kitchen gadgets at home. I have the Namiku, I have the Tavala oven, and yeah, my, my wife has even, you know, made me promise not to get any more big kitchen items from Kickstarter because we have no more space in our kitchen. <laughs> no, fair enough. I know you're waiting on uh, one of our polygons as well, so uh, that's right. Add that to the kitchen gadgets, but it'll take up the least amount of room in your kitchen. So I know your wife might be too <laughs> upset about that. So let's talk about campaigns now. You know, Kickstarter is unique because it's a funding all or nothing platform. Can you talk a bit about that and why that the platform holds steady on that? Yeah, absolutely. For us, you know, we, we feel that funding or nothing is a really important for two reasons. One, on one side, we feel that it does eliminate some risk in that you know, a backer knows that, you know, the money that they pledge to a project will only change hands if the creator is able to meet the funding goal that they've set. And that funding goal, you know, is set because the creator is saying, this is how much money I need in order to bring this thing to life. So the backer can have the confidence that that money won't change hands unless that, that occurs. From the creator standpoint, you know, if a creator needs $50,000 to do a small run of, you know, their, um, their Arduino shield, they know that they're not going to be on the hook for delivering an Arduino shield unless they're able to raise that amount of money. And, and for us, you know, this limiting of risk in this way is really important. Uh, and it just also creates a very clear set of expectations since this is the same for all products on our platform. The other side, though, as well, is that we, we find that, you know, this is a model that also creates incentives, uh, more incentives for backers to be really engaged in that process of getting the word out about a project. Because they know, you know, if a project hasn't raised enough money to reach its funding goal, 
you know, the backers understand that they have to help the creators get there. So if, if the backer is really excited about that project, they have an incentive to really support that creator in getting the word out. And, you know, and I, and I, again, of course, I don't have data for other platforms, but everything that I've read from third-party sources is that, you know, success rate for campaigns that are all or nothing funding are much higher than for campaigns that are, you know, like uh, that have more of a flexible kind of approach. And so for us, that's like the risk and the motivation are two things that, that are really important. And, and I think that's, those are two reasons why, you know, we have no plans or vision at any point in the future to stop keeping our focus on, on uh, all or nothing. So on the risk side, what would you say is kind of the best strategy behind setting a public facing funding goal? And what, what should a creator consider when setting that funding goal? Well, I think, you know, a creator should consider, you know, what is the minimum amount of money that I need while I can still be confident that I can deliver this product and that I can deliver, you know, even more broadly that I can deliver on my vision. And it's really important. This is really important because I, I think one of the things that I think some creators don't realize is that it's best to set a realistic goal and to fail in funding than it is to set a low goal and succeed in funding and then not be able to deliver your product. You know, we've seen startups be able to, you know, not reach their funding goal on Kickstarter and you know, they, they, they still are able to, to identify, you know, a few hundred people that were interested in, in what they're doing. And then they can use that to either launch again on Kickstarter or to, to launch their product via other means. If a pro- product, you know, raises money, but puts themselves in a situation where, where, you know, they don't have enough money to bring their product to life, you know, they're putting, they're setting themselves up in a really difficult situation. So, um, you know, even, you know, we see creators who, are, who set themselves up in that situation and are still able to persevere and that's great. But, you know, you are essentially putting yourself at great risk. And so, so that's why for that side, we, we feel it's really important for you to make sure that you are setting your goals with a high level of confidence that if you raise that money, you can deliver the product. And again, and also just, you know, aside from just the, 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 the of course, the fact that, you know, your word, when you're doing a Kickstarter campaign, you know, transparency and trust is such at the core of it. And so, you know, you, you need to make sure that you're communicating to your backers honestly about, you know, what, you're, what you've set your goal to do. On the flip side, you know, in terms of the reason why we, of course, always say that it's the, you want to set it as low as possible while meeting that threshold is because, you know, we do have, as you as we were talking about earlier, it's an all or nothing funding platform. And so, you know, there's a funding floor, but there's no funding ceiling. Because sometimes creators are like, oh, you know, should I just set it higher because I think it will allow me to, you know, keep people motivated to get to that higher level. And our advice there is always no, because, you know, you can find different ways to keep people motivated to keep funding your product after you reach that goal. But you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you actually raise enough money but you didn't meet your goal because you had to set an extra ambitious goal to try to, you know, uh, like what we usually talk about creators, you should have your base goal, which is what, how much money you need to bring it to life and the minimum amount of funds that you need. And you should set also your aspirational goal. And so the, the marketing you do, the outreach you do, all of that is, of course, 
looking at your aspirational goal because that's your ultimately where you want to get to. But your base goal is where, you know, at that point, you know, you can at least push forward and have the money to start production and whatnot. So those are kind of, you know, the advice we usually give to creators on that front. Yeah, and that, that's a great segment. You know, we, we always want to know, like, what, what happens when a creator is unable to potentially complete their project or bring it to market and the campaign's potentially already funded or the campaign is completed? What, what happens there? Um, well, you know, our terms of service provide, you know, a, a pretty clear guidance to creators, the expectations that they need to meet uh, if they are unable to deliver on, on their promises. And that, you know, includes, um, you know, open and clear communications. You know, creators are obligated to provide an open and clear, not just update about what happened, but a clear accounting of how the money was spent, you know, in their journey uh, that ended up not, you know, uh, meeting its intended goal. So that is, that is really crucial. Uh, and, you know, beyond that, you know, that's why when a creator has been doing updates throughout that whole process, this final step becomes much, you know, easier and painless in many ways because their backers have been, have been along for the ride and know what was happening. But this is what, what a creator must do in, in order to, to close a project if, if it does end up that they can't fulfill it. it. It's this accounting to their backers of, you know, what happened, how the money was spent. And if there's any money left over, um, they need to, to begin the process of, you know, refunding that money proportionally to their backers. Yeah, fair enough. Let's, let's talk about campaigns now. What um, typically just the rundown in terms of what information a new entrepreneur or someone looking to launch a campaign needs to include on their project page? What's some of the key information they should include? First off, you know, the, 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 the most important thing is, of course, a really strong distillation of, you know, what makes the, the, the project or product awesome. So, you know, that's, that's I think, you know, that, this is like at the top of your page, this is your hook, you know, uh, this is something that, that, you know, your headline and your short blurb should allude to. And at the very top of your page, your intro section, you know, that's where you need to capture the essence of like what you're making and what differentiates it and makes it special. Uh, this is something, this is probably the hardest part of your project page to create, uh, the hardest copy to write, the hardest video to make, because it does require, you know, a lot of work, a lot of understanding of who your core audience is. And a lot of uh, like understanding what's the best way to communicate that core value proposition to your core audience. And, you know, as I, as I, I've called this the hook and it's really important because if you don't get this right, chances are people are not going to read anything else on your page. So this is something that, that, uh, you know, is, is really crucial and it, and it needs to be really dialed in beyond that, you know, like what, what, like we always think of a project page as, as like, this part, which is the intro and the essence of the core differentiator of the product. And then the other part of the project page, which is where you kind of dive deep into, you know, probably the first thing you want to dive deep into is if it's a, a connected device, the user experience. Um, if it's, you know, a, a beautifully designed object, a beautifully designed vase, then you want to kind of do the, the, the kind of close-ups and, 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 and kind of highlight the, 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 the details of the design. So this is like you, you start with that high level hook and then this is where you kind of, you know, get to that person who's, been, who's interested and really kind of get them super excited about the details, you know, and, 
This is where you're telling them a little bit more about, about the product. Um, you're not at that point getting into specs yet. Like it's, you're still trying to, you know, thinking about like the benefit level of your product. Then, you know, those are kind of, I, I think that's kind of like the essence of the product. Then, you know, what, what we really like to see, because one of the things that's, I think, very important for Kickstarter is we see ourselves as, you know, a platform where, where things get made, get created. And so being willing to share part of that creative process is really crucial. And how do you do that? There's a few different things that you can do. I mean, first off, find ways to share, you know, the process itself, like find ways to, to, to share, you know, how things were made, the prototypes that they were created, some of the thinking that went into the making of it. Next, find ways to share about the inspiration of, uh, of, the, of the project. Uh, usually we don't, re- re- like for, there's of course exceptions. Usually we don't recommend that creators start with inspiration. We ask, we recommend that they add inspiration a little bit later on, but sharing that inspiration is really important. You know, talk about, about the, the, you know, along with inspiration, you can talk about the passion that you or your team have about that product. You know, share about the team uh, behind that product. You know, the team can be a really important way for you to build credibility about your team's ability to deliver on the promises that you're making. You also want to, you know, set people's expectations around the timeline and, and what are those core milestones that you're going to uh, need to go through as you go from the Kickstarter project to delivering the, the product itself. And that's real, the timeline is really important because it helps you set people's expectations so that if down the road there are delays, you can point back to the timeline and be like, remember how I said design for manufacturing was going to take a month and a half? Well, that actually took two months and a half. So we're a month behind schedule. Like it gives you something you know, to always communicate back to and something that like, that you, like a, a benchmark that you can use to communicate with your audience. So the only last thing that I'll say there, so that was about the journey. And then, of course, you know, for certain products, uh, you know, having, uh, depending on, on the complexity of your reward structure, you might have a section where you talk about the rewards, you know, a little bit deeper than what you can in the little rewards modules on the side of the page. And you could also, you know, if it's a product where the specs really do matter, you know, where there's all these chip specs and, and like where you want to pr- provide the exact, you know, uh, sizing of your device, that's something that you can also put towards the bottom of your page where you just kind of dive into like that spec level of information. Absolutely. No, solid advice there. How, uh, how important do you guys feel that the campaign video is and potential any tips that you would give to the audience to make better crowdfunding videos? Absolutely. I mean, the video is really, really important. You know, people uh, like, you know, especially for a serious creator who's trying to raise a serious amount of money, it becomes even more important. Uh, but, but, you know, we've actually, you know, when I first started at Kickstarter, we had data about how, you know, if a project had a video, it was 30 or 40% more likely to succeed. I don't think we're even pulling that data anymore because it's almost, I think, in a good sense, it's become almost just a known fact that you need a video if you're doing a Kickstarter campaign, which for us is great because we truly believe that. We, 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 we you know, truly believe that that's really important. The tips that I have you know, for people who are, um, who are uh, thinking about their video is, again, your video is a hook. Your main project video shouldn't be, you know, a five, six minute long video that talks about every single aspect of your, of your project. It's not like 
you're taking everything on your project page and putting it into a video, which is we see some SC creators do. Like your main project video should distill like that, the, the, again, bring out, bring to life that, that core value proposition, the core things that make your product awesome. Uh, it should bring those to life in a really compelling way. Uh, if it's a product that has a user experience associated to it, it's not just a design object. It's actually a connected device or any kind of device that has electronics and, and uh, that is interactive. You really need to bring that user experience to life uh, in your video in a way that's compelling. But beyond showing your product and that user experience, you do want to, you know, ideally show a little bit about the team or the passion behind the project. And, and I do say the team or the passion. I know some creators don't like to get on camera and don't want to do the talking head uh, thing, which, you know, it can be really effective, but, but it, for some creators, it is not the right approach. But if you're not going to do that, then the, the, the flip side of what you can do is actually share, share a bit about the process, you know, like uh, share B-roll of the, your team working, of the sketches, of like, to, to, you know, show people the, you know, the humans, uh, the human side of, of, of this journey, because that is really important. You know, I mean, the fact is you're not selling a, a product on Amazon. You're raising money to finish bringing this product to life. And it's, you're, you're still going through this journey and, and having people know that you're going through the journey and having people be part of that and bring some of that into your video, we find is really compelling. And, and it's also something that, I, you know, our curation team does like, you know, videos that have that that aspect. So if you want to have a chance of uh, getting staff picked or getting featured, you know, making sure that you're bringing some of that in can be really helpful. Absolutely. Continuing on the path of narrative, you know, what types of photography do you see that creators should have for a good Kickstarter project? And how do those visual assets usually affect contributions or the overall success of a campaign? You know, it's, it's, uh, I, the, on the first part of that question, you know, we really recommend for creators to show pictures of their product out in the world. You know, we, um, I mean, it's fine if, if a creator wants to show, you know, their, their device on a white, white background. I think most people get inspired by the kind of things that they see in the Apple store nowadays and going online to the Apple website or other similar websites where they have these products floating on white backgrounds. And, um, you know, we recommend against that. If you want to use an image like that somewhere on your project page, that's fine. But by and large, you know, show things out in the world. If you're making, you know, a smartwatch, show it on people's wrists. You know, show it like uh, on people, you know, on their wrist at home, out in the world. If you're making, you know, a a hub like a connected hub for your home, show how that hub would look on somebody's bookshelf or on somebody's living room. You know, like actually help people see these things, you know, in their lives, you know, when, when you're thinking about that, the, the way these things are get shown in the Apple store and on, you know, different websites, those are mostly products that are already out in the world. People can go to stores and actually see those products and touch them. And they've seen those products and touch them out in the world, in their friends' houses, in their, and so they, they, they get all that, that context from living with those objects and those products. Products that are on Kickstarter have, are not out in the world yet. And, and so, we find that that's just something that's like much more compelling and makes the product also feel more real. I wish we had data to say that this was something that had, you know, a clear measurable impact or a clear correlative impact with increasing funding. 
but we don't. You know, what, what we do have data, uh, well, what we do know is that, you know, having high quality assets does make a difference. So having, you know, photos and videos, you know, that are well, t- that are well shot is important. I do want to though, the only caveat I want to say there, that doesn't mean that things need to be super overproduced. You know, that just means like we've seen videos that are really nice, but that are shot by the creator and, um, you know, uh, on, on, a, on a small budget, you know, but, you know, those are videos that are only shot in one location. They're shot in a single day. They don't have, you know, a lot of actors and things of that nature. On the photography front, you know, in a similar way, you know, like we've seen that where it's, you know, really nice photography, but that hasn't been necessarily taken by expensive professional photographers, but just has been really thoughtfully done. But, but so, so the, the, the quality of your assets is really, really important. And, um, you know, when you're asking somebody to, you know, pledge money to your campaign, if you're trying to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars, you, you want to, you know seem like you're a credible company or, or, or organization that, you know, warrants raising that amount of money. And so if all of your, you know, photos and videos look pretty shoddy, you know, that doesn't inspire confidence. No, absolutely. Yeah. You want to make sure that your, your asset quality matches the production value of the product that you're going to be putting out there at the end of the day. Because uh, exactly. obviously, it's certainly difficult to convert these folks once you get them to the page. For something that they're not able to touch, feel, have an experience with. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for now, but make sure to tune in next week for part two of this episode and hear the rest of my interview with Julio Terra from Kickstarter. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the show notes, full transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.